Hey guys, it's Ed and I'm coming to you live from the Temporary Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. Um, just some really quick um, housekeeping I want to do. Um, next week, probably starting next Monday, I will be coming to you live from Detroit um, for a two-week special. It's not really all that special, that's just where I'm going to be and that's where I'm going to be recording. Um, like I said, not really special at all, but, um, so, uh, during those two weeks, obviously, Will will not be, um, joining us for our regular, um, segments, but he will be keeping abreast of what I'm doing and making sure that I'm doing my job properly, as he always does. Um, and then when I come back... We are going to debut our new Drunk Gossip Studios, the permanent ones. Um, The paperwork's done. Everything is signed. um, But it just didn't make sense to uh, move into the new new Drunk Gossip Studios before I left for Detroit. Um, When we haven't even filmed... Or recorded any episodes to see how they sound. So, But I, I just wanted you guys to know. We're very excited about this. And speaking of new housing. Well, not really new. Halle Berry's house was almost stolen. By a man who forged the documents. And <laughs> this story is so ridiculous. That I don't know in any way. To make it any less ridiculous. So, the man was spotted once um, back back in January. Um, and this is Halle Berry's house in Los Angeles. It's a, an Italian style mansion. Uh, but anyway, so he was spotted back in January. And Halle Berry's, Halle Berry's gardener was like, hey, dude, what are you doing? So he took off. And then he came back again. This time, though, this time, though, there was um, a little bit more to it. Because as... As you know, um, he tried to steal the house. I'm trying to think of ways to make this sound less ridiculous, and I really just can't. So, here's what happened. The dude came back. Um, A member of her staff, I think it was her gardener again, but I'm not 100% sure, went to call the police, and the dude actually reversed it and was like, Hey, I own this place. And gave the um, gave the police um, a, a deed and everything that showed that he actually did indeed own this place. Ex- <coughs> would not be an episode without me coughing, would it? Um. So, basically, um, the police were looking at it and figured out, oh, this is phony. Um, so he was arrested for 
um, falsifying documents and and trespassing and whatnot. And it's just... I can't get over the ridiculousness of this entire thing. Like, did he really think he was going to get away with it? And if he really did think that he was going to get away with it... And you can make the argument that he probably did think um, that he was going to be able to do this and not get caught... And I definitely would not be one to argue with you over that. But if he did indeed think that he was going to get away with it, why? Um, the, the one good thing is it doesn't appear as though he actually knew that the house was Halle Berry's. In fact, um, he didn't seem to know who it belonged to and thought it was abandoned. And was probably hoping to pull squatter's rights. Um, but, you know, when it comes to a house that expensive, um, I think, let me just double check here. Yeah, 3.8. Um, the house is valued at 3.8, which is probably nothing to Halle Berry. But that's a whole hell of a lot of money to me. If she doesn't want the house, I'll take it. And I will love it. <laughs> All right. I'm going to go and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So, Wendy Williams has um, really come a long way ever since her divorce. Um, You know, there's just something about her that... She's she's kicked away the weak old woman that was... Um, sitting in her place and the strong, vibrant, feisty Wendy has returned. And that was never more apparent than while she was sitting on the, um, for, she was sitting on a panel for Black Entertainment's FWB, FWD conference this week. Um, and there, she basically let it all out. She said um, now that Kevin's gone, she wishes that she had lived in her 20s a little bit more, that she's in charge of her business now and she doesn't, you know, she doesn't want to hear everything secondhand. She wants to be in the process. Brava, girlfriend. Brava. Okay? Here's what she says. Um... First, she's talking about the business part. Now, the difference in my business is that it used to be Kev and the team show up, and then Kev wouldn't bring me in until he knew. Okay, the deal is done. Now it's time for you to meet the people. Not now. I want to be the first in the conversation of the deal, and I want to be in every meeting until the deal is done. Now that's the way I roll. And they, of course, confirmed that Kevin Young is um, is out... Or Kevin Hunter, rather, I'm sorry. Kevin Hunter is out, and there's not going to be anyone replacing him. Um, And then she talks about giving advice to young people when they're in their 20s. She said, shout out to all the parents. I'm a parent too, but you've got to slow down on having these kids when you're 22, 23, 24. 
She, um, you use your 20s to be selfish for yourself. Grow up. Grow your business. Kids are an obligation, and that obligation will slow you. Uh, will slow you down. Sometimes you drop all of your seed and even... Oh, she's talking to the dads here. Sometimes you drop all of your seed, and even though you love your kid, it's the baby's mom. It's us who are the primary parent. And you all of a sudden want to be a rapper and go on tour or whatever. Look, kids get in the way. I mean, I love them. Don't tell them. But kids get in the way. That's a lot to unpack. But basically, I... What I'm hearing is she wishes she had done things differently with Kevin Hunter. And um, she's not going to be afraid to help others learn from her mistake. You know, and again, I go back to this. She, she may have loved her husband. In fact, I don't think any of us doubt that she did. Um, but at some point she had to break ties with him otherwise he was going to just keep dragging her down and down and down so everything she's doing at this point is um, helping somebody else and I think that's admirable you know I know some people will say oh you know, she she screwed up. She she shouldn't have done it. Whatever. Bullshit. She needed to do it. Not only for herself, but to help whom whomever needs the help. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many people out there who want more kids or who wanna who, who wanna go to. Um, school but they they have a kid and then they don't allow themselves to do that and we never get to know what what they're gonna do how they could have helped the world and she's saying hey you can still help the world you don't need to have all these kids you don't need to have them back to back to back and you know go on with your bad self girl you know, let the world know and just because you're saying something doesn't mean you don't love your kid. I think you can say something like, this was boneheaded, and still have a deep affection for the product of your boneheaded decision. And, you know... I joke with my dad all the time that he... he married my mom... And had three kids with her. So, there's that. I'm going to go, and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. So, when you're a real housewife and you need some publicity, you usually start a feud with another housewife. Makes sense, right? Um, both shows get publicity. Andy Cohen's happy. And um, you all get to keep your jobs. But what about when you're one of the queens of the housewives? And you can't just pick a feud with anyone because it could be seen as being mean or bullying. What do you do then? 
Well, Bethany Frankel answered that question for us. And she has started a feud with Sonny Hostin of The View. So, I've been looking into this a little bit. And it seems that this stems from an incident that happened actually not too long ago. Um, uh, sometime over the Memorial Day weekend or something. Um, sorry about that. I was trying to find the exact date because I thought I had it, but I didn't. Oh, well, shit happens. Um, anyway. Um, Sunny called Bethany out for bullying her daughter. Now, this is not something new with Sunny. She does this all the time. Um, you know, and she's Sunny is very protective of her kids, and she doesn't care who you think you are. You know, if, if she thinks you're wrong or thinks you're doing something that's going to harm them, she's going to let you know. Um, you know, we can debate all day long whether that's right or wrong, um, but we're not going to do that. We're just simply saying it as a fact right now. And so Bethany went on Watch What Happens Live with Andy Cohen because of course she did. Have you noticed that, like, she doesn't make any other media appearances? It's like Andy Cohen is a Sean Hannity of Real Housewives. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm sure that they could book other talk shows. They just don't. And I don't know if it's because they, you know, they're trying to preserve their likability or... Um, maybe the other talk show hosts don't want them on their show. I don't know. But, so she went on Watch What Happens Live and said that Sunny was on drugs. Now, I don't know about you, but I would not be saying that about a former U.S. prosecutor. It just doesn't seem to be the smart thing to do. But Bethany doesn't always do the smart thing, right? So, Sunny decided she was not going to take this shit and said not surprising that a reality TV personality who yells and bullies little kids on a beach lies but I have witnesses at Bethany and first of all this is just fantastic um there's so much that's gonna go down in this feud and it's going to be so much fun. Because Sunny will not argue with nasty little comments. Or with, you know, whatever. She's going to argue with facts and logic. And that's not something Bethany is used to. So Bethany is way outside of her pay grade here. Here's what the source is telling us. Um, this is about Bethany. She's met her match. Sunny isn't going to take her shit. You're not going to bully someone with a brain. Welcome to the real world and not the reality world. She's used to these housewives. And, uh, 
close to, uh, a source close to Bethany said she can't bully Sunny. She's smart and a lawyer with a brain. Her response is blocking her because what else can she do? And by the way, Sunny has no reason to lie about this. And I think right there is what we all need to remember. Sunny is not going to gain anything by lying. You know, this is not one of those times where it's like, oh, six of one, half dozen of the other. No, Sunny does not gain anything by lying. Her job is to present her opinion, not create drama. So, Bethany better watch herself. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna be right back. And I'm back. So, one of the things that really shook me when I was a teen was when I found out that Whitney Houston was not the original artist for I Will Always Love You. You know, back then it seems impossible that someone would reboot something even mildly successful for cash. It just didn't seem artistic. It didn't seem right. So I protest by not listening to that song for five whole hours. And then of course I gave in to Whitney's sultry call and um, started listening to the song again. And for the record, I actually think that Dolly Parton's version, the original version, um, is far superior. But that's just me. <laughs> but so, so you can imagine my surprise when Whitney up and lied to me again with the same damn song. So. Here's a little backstory. I don't know if you guys already knew this or not. Um, but Whitney really wanted to segue into acne. And so they kept trying to come up with the perfect vehicle. And they kept looking and looking and looking. And the script kept coming back to them. And Whitney wasn't really interested in the role. And the studio wasn't interested in her. Um, it, it, it was supposed to be this Oscar-baiting movie. And they didn't want some novice. And, it, you know, they, they really wanted to work with her. And they knew that... They knew that the, um, that the soundtrack would do really well um, for any movie that Whitney was a part of. And because, she, you know, she was taking her time and whatever. And so finally, um, and I forget exactly how the story goes, but finally, someone said to Winnie, hey, actually take a look at this. This is a really good role for you. So Winnie looked at it and she's like, okay, I'm, okay, I, I can see this. I can see it. And the studio, um, again, and I don't know um, the exact details, but someone at the studio said to them, Hey, 
let's build this around Whitney. Like, let's completely change things and let's rebuild this around Whitney. Maybe it won't win an Oscar, but it'll make money. So both teams finally sat down and agreed and um, Whitney was made music executive producer. And for the Big Love Ballad, she was really trying to search for that perfect, perfect song. And um, they kept trying and trying nothing felt right. And then Whitney heard Dolly Parton's song. And so, you know, she went to Dolly Parton and said, Hey, I know you don't usually allow your songs to be remade. But is it possible? And at first Dolly was like, no. And then she was like, okay. Yeah. And the rest is history. The song went on to be number one for like 30 some odd weeks. Um, it was the only reason why it was um, it's not the number one song of all time anymore is because um, Elton John re-released Candle in the Wind um, this time about Princess Diana and that went on to sell even more and um, carry the title of number one for longer but, um, when it came time for Kevin Costner and Whitney Houston to meet and everything, both were nervous because both were very, um, Kevin Costner was at the top of his career then, and his name carried a lot of weight, especially with producers, and of course Whitney was the biggest singer in all of the entire world. And so they got really nervous, and um, when they created the poster for The Bodyguard, that's not Whitney Houston in Kevin Costner's arms. That's a body double. Kevin admitted it as much this week, and he talked more, a little bit more about filming and um, everything that happened with the bodyguard, including how it blew up and blew away everyone's expectations, how the soundtrack changed how soundtracks were made, and frankly, he thinks that Whitney Houston would have won an acting Oscar had she continued down her path. And I'm going to go, and I'm going to be right back. And I'm back. And as promised, Will is with me. I'm not allowed to say kicking and screaming anymore because it gives bad images. Also because you didn't drag me here. That's actually also, that's the main point of why you don't say that. That's what he says. It fucking is what I say, Ed. See? Already... Fiery. Anyway, this week 
I have an opinion and I'm going to make that everybody else's problem. Specifically, I have an opinion about the American territories and the specific way they – and their specific form of governance. Now, the thing that prompted this is earlier this week we did a segment on Mitch McConnell and his assertion that giving Washington, D.C. and Puerto Rico senators and seats in Congress would be, to quote, pure socialism – he um, now, admittedly, Mitch McConnell all but admitted that the that the main reason why he didn't want to give the main reason why he didn't want to give them equal representation in the Senate was that he believes they would elect Democrats. Which okay, that's at least on brand for the old turtle, <laughs> the man whose superpower who has the superpower of having infinite chins. But anyway, enough about insulting Mitch McConnell. I used some pretty I, I used some pretty heated language in that recording. I believe I actually called his statement un-American because it was. But here is the specific way in which it was un-American. Bear with me because this is going to be a while. So basically, aside from the District of Columbia, the U.S. has five other territories that are inhabited by Americans but aren't allowed representation in Congress. Those territories are American Samoa, Guam, the Northern Mariana Islands, Puerto, Puerto Rico, and the U.S. Virgin Islands. All of those are inhabited year-round, pay tax um, by American citizens, except for American Samoa, because for some specific, for some reason, being if you're born an American in Samoa, you're an American national, but not an American citizen, and you have to get citizenship through some Justice Department procedure. You have to um, go through the same measures of obtaining birthright citizenship as, say, somebody trying to become a naturalized American citizen. Which is ridiculous because American Samoa is under the authority of the government of the United States, pays taxes to the government of the United States, and sends soldiers to serve in the wars that the United States fights. And this is true for all five of the territories. Admittedly, on the other four, you do get American citizenship from birth. But every territory is under American jurisdiction. They, uh, we decide what every tax, every, we decide every tax they have to pay except for their income tax, which is decided by the government of the islands. And the, the closest thing to representation they get in Congress is to send an unelected, an elected representative to the House of Representatives who's not allowed to vote on anything and who is only occasionally allowed to give speeches. This is also true for Washington, D.C., Now, there are a lot of arguments that have been deployed to keep um, to keep the territories from gaining Senate seats. One, one is, uh, I hear a lot is, oh, but nobody lives in the territories. They're so small. Puerto Rico is the biggest with about three and a half million, the size of Connecticut, but most of the others have about, um, Guam has about 100,000. Guam has about 160,000. 
American Samoa only has 50,000, same with the North Mariana Islands, and the U.S. Virgin Islands are all around 100,000. To which I counter, uh, we give Vermont, we give Vermont equal representation in the Senate and seats in the House, and nobody lives in there. <laughs> nobody lives in Vermont. Have you ever met anybody who lived in Vermont? Full-time, I mean, who didn't just have a vacation house there? No. Apologies to all of our listeners from Vermont. I'm bagging on your state because it's easy and fun. If you live in Vermont, leave us a voice message on Anchor. We want to hear from you. Yeah, we actually do. But anyway, um, when he was visiting um, Puerto Rico, Trump tossed out the argument that, oh, you know, we, it costs us a lot of money to pay here because Puerto Rico is independent, is, likes to be dependent and doesn't pay taxes, which is not correct. They, um, only, uh, the only people who pay a federal income tax in Puerto Rico are people who work for the federal government. Like I said, their income tax is decided by the island's government. However, they do pay payroll taxes, import-export taxes, which they actually have to pay more often than people in the mainland because of fucking obscure maritime shipping regulations. Anyway... The last, um, the last year figures were available that I could find it was in 2016, and we got about uh, three and a half billion from Puerto Rico that year, which is a lot, which is uh, more money than Donald Trump has ever had in his life, even by um, the most outrageous estimates. But the central argument for. Um, why it's un-American for these people. But the central argument I'd like to... Anyway. Um, let's be wrong about that. The, all of these arguments are kind of um, bullshit. Ultimately what it boils down to is these people live under our jurisdiction and we tax them, but uh, they don't have representation in our government. That's kind of the thing that we don't like here in America. You may recall back about... Um, 200, 240 year, odd years ago, we kind of we fought, fought a war over it. You may have learned about that one in school. We fought a whole ass war over it. Or, or in Hamilton, the musical. So like, come on guys, we're not fucking England. We're not trying to hold an, we're not trying to be an imperial colonist power anymore. We should either, we should either, um, we should grant the territories and D.C., full representation in the House and Senate, or we should let them become independent. That's my main argument. And people who say that D.C. is like, oh, you can't make a city its own state. More people live in D.C. than live in Vermont. That one is actually definitely true. I looked it up. We love you, Vermont. We swear. Yeah. Um, Specifically, actually, yeah. More people live in the District of Columbia than... Wyoming, also, which is just nobody lives in Wyoming, <laughs> except the coy- more people live in D.C. Than, li- than live in Wyoming, unless you count the coyotes. In that case, Wyoming has the edge. But anyway, that's the rant. That's my thoughts on the status of American territories. Thank you for tuning in. Up next, we will have another rant as Ed goes into detail about with his thoughts on this year's pride thank you very much all right guys i will be right back 
And get ready, because my segment is twice as long as Will's. We'll be right back. And I'm back. So, for this final segment, um, I wanted to talk for a minute about Pride. And not just Pride, but the Stonewall Riots. You guys know they happen here in New York City, in Greenwich Village. Greenwich Village. And, uh, you know, I get really emotional when I talk about this because, in all honesty, the rights that I have today have not always been afforded to me. Uh, even the right to get married was denied um, was denied my people, denied to the LGBT community, LGBTQ, excuse me, um, until, like, 2016. And if you think about it, uh, there's just so much wrong with that. And, you know, now we're facing in this country an existential crisis um, and a fight for the soul because a few people don't think that everyone should have the same rights that they have. Now, they're old, grumpy, and white, usually. But those old, grumpy, white people hold the power. And, uh, you know, I mentioned on... in the blind items episode from the other day, that um, I, I I mentioned that the riots were started by people of color. The riots were started by um, drag queens and transgender people. And no, they're not the same thing. Um, I'm not going to go into the differences between them because, frankly, I'm not an expert. But I know that they're not the same thing, and um, that answer should be done by someone who can give the best answer possible. Um, But just going back into um, why the riot started. So Stonewall, at one point, was owned by the mob. But it was always a place where... Um, the queer community could get together, have a drink, and relax. Well, in the summer of 69, the police started harassing and raiding queer bars um, for different violations. Um, Sometimes it would be something as simple as the music being too loud. Other times... It was, um, in the case of this raid, um, there was something wrong with the liquor licensing. Now, the same thing was happening over in straight bars, but nothing was happening over there. At this point, people were fed up. And they just wanted to have a couple drinks. They wanted to hang out with friends and dance and just be silly together and they weren't about to let these fucking cops ruin it so they did what any rational 
human being would do. They threw a brick. Well, more... Um, more accurately, Marshall P. Johnson is said to have thrown the first brick that launched the Stonewall Riots of 69. What followed was two days of um, rioting and whatnot. And it was the queer community versus the NYPD. And for years, for years, the NYPD said, we were just doing our job, we did nothing wrong, we do not owe the queer community an apology. Finally, after 50 years, the commissioner who who had originally said, hey, you know, I don't think you guys really need an apology here. You know, nothing bad really happened to you. He finally said the, he finally said the words that we've been owed all this time. I'm sorry, we were wrong. Now, of course, that doesn't change the fact that discrimination still happened. Uh, murders and people died during those riots. Uh, we'll never be able to change that. We'll never be able to go back to where we were. Or, you know, we, we can't go back in time and change what happened. But we can look forward and... We can look forward and just start fighting with everything we have. You know, if it means throwing another damn brick, I am willing to fight a Trumper to make sure that my friends who want to be married, who want to be with their significant other, can stay married and stay with their, with their partner. I am willing to throw a brick to make sure that I can walk down the street holding the man I love's hand without worry of some sick fucktard thinking it's okay to toss off the word faggot or tell us that we're going to hell. No, bitch, you're going to hell. You support the orange asshole in the White House? Guess what? You're the one going down. Okay? And he'll be stoking the fire for you. And if you don't believe me, look at what he's doing to the farmers. And anyone else who supported him stupidly. Um, you know, I, I actually had a friend, a friend from high school. We were fairly close. Um, and that we didn't hate one another. Um... But we, we, we talked a little bit, and then she told me that she was a Trumper. And I could not understand why, because she, she was, at one point, a Bernie supporter. And I'm like, that, the two just don't make sense to me. They don't go hand in hand. Well, essentially what had happened was her boyfriend was a Trumper, and, you know, apparently, with, with some girls, whoever their boyfriend votes for, they have to vote for. Um, so, you know, after all of this, 
I'm still confused by what the hell is going on and why she would support him. And she's like, oh, he's going to be good for LGBT people. Now, this was after he'd already proven otherwise. The trans ban, um, rolling back protections for LGBT people in the workplace, um, taking away federal protections. And when I mentioned this to her, she was shocked. She thought that those were all good things. And she didn't understand why we quote-unquote needed special. So I once again had to explain to her, straight people don't deal with the kind of shit that we deal with. Straight people are never going to be fired for being straight. Straight people aren't going to be denied marriage licenses anywhere in the world. In fact... Straight people never even have to worry about getting marriage licenses. You can go to Vegas and get one in two hours if that's what you want. And you can and you you can stay married as little as fifty five hours before it's annulled and everyone goes back pretending that you never did that. So yeah, you know. I I do get emotional. I do get upset about about this because you know what? It's it's stupid. It's plain stupid that anyone would think that Donald J. Trump is good for gay rights. It's stupid for anyone to believe that gay people don't need uh, protections from the bigots and the nasty people um, that have invaded and infected our government. Um, the religious right would rather see us dead than showing affection or, or trying to help a needy child. You know, there's there's so many more examples I could go on and on about. But when it comes to pride, yes, I am proud to be a gay man. I'm proud to be a gay man in an era where I didn't have to throw a brick. I can walk down the street. I can kiss my man. And, you know, yes, I might get the occasional faggot or whatever. But even that has dulled to a point where it's more shocking when it does happen than when it doesn't. I'm proud to be here during this time because I know it hasn't always been this way. Um, In the first season revival of Will and Grace, um, Will is talking to Ben Platt's character and Ben Platt says something along the lines of, are you mad at me because I didn't have to struggle? And we'll, and I, this line has stuck with me. I've been wanting to use it, and so finally I'm going to use it here. Um, Will says, 
how are you supposed to appreciate rights that you never knew you didn't that you how are you how do you appreciate rights that you don't know that you never even had and it's it's the, one of those profound moments where you remember why Will and Grace is such an iconic series you remember why um everyone fell in love with the show I mean the great comedic timing and writing but Will and Grace came out in a time when there, the last gay show the last gay sitcom was Ellen and that had flopped so badly that gay characters weren't even allowed and here you had two here you had two main characters that were gay men and then on top of that, um, two women who loved gay men in ways that had never been explored on TV before. And so when, when we talk about pride, that's what we're talking about. But we're also talking about being proud of our queer brothers and sisters who fought Marshall P. Johnson, who threw the brick. You know, we talk about, when we talk about being proud, we talk about our brothers and sisters who succumbed to AIDS because the Republican president didn't want to fund the research for it. We we talk about how we talk about how Matthew Shepard was slaughtered and raped for being gay. And finally, we talk about all of these LGBTQ murders that have been happening as of late um Nazis showing up at Pride they are why we continue to fight they are why we continue to have Pride and they are why straight people don't need their own damn Pride because if straight people endured half of the discrimination and violence that gay people did simply for their sexual orientation they would fold and as I come down off my soapbox I do want to just say thank you to each and every one of you for listening and thank you to all of our straight allies who march who march by our sides who throw bricks with us every single day to smash the patriarchy to to smash heteronormativity to um to make this a more fair and balanced world for all of us without you we would just be a bunch of Queers making noise, but with you by our side, 
there's a really lasting impact. Um, and thank you to the celebrities who speak out for gay causes. Taylor Swift, Madonna, Cher, Britney, Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper actually donates all of the proceeds from her True Colors tours to LGBT causes in each of the neighborhoods. How great is that? So, thank you all so very much. And in 50 years of Pride, we have changed a lot. And in the next 50, we're going to change even more. That's going to do it for me for today. Thank you guys for listening. And until next time, cheers.